Hello! This is David back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire radio podcast. This is episode 138, and it is a themed episode. And I apologize for the delay in getting this thing out. I still don't feel awesome, but it's all allergy stuff. But I lost my voice almost completely uh, the beginning of last week, and I couldn't really record. And it really wasn't until probably Wednesday of last week that it started coming around. And it's still not all the way back, but it's good enough for me to do this. So, yeah, we're knocking it out because I really didn't want to delay it further and go like a month between episodes or something. Um, Alright, I think this theme is one that you guys are either going to love or you're going to roll your eyes at it and not be into it at all. (laughs) So, hopefully you dig it. Um... The theme is Then and Now, and this one is basically going to contain two songs from each band that I play. So it's going to have something off of their debut release and something off of whatever their most recent album is, just so we can compare and contrast um, the change in style and change in production and all that kind of stuff and just see how these bands have evolved throughout their career. Of course, to do that properly, you would need to listen to the entire discography, but I think the the contrast here between the debut and the newest albums is is pretty cool. Um, The cons of this theme is that there's not really going to be much underground bands. Uh, They're all pretty well known, and that's because to do an episode like this, you need bands that have been around a long time, have a pretty expansive discography, and, uh, you know, it kind of goes hand-in-hand that most bands that meet that criteria are kind of bands that we've all heard of over the years. Um, So, yeah, there's there's not going to be too many, you know, big surprises or anything here. These are going to be bands that you've you've heard about uh, plenty of times, but, um, again, I just think it's fun to do uh, such an immediate contrast you know hearing something from their early work and then just straight to you know their most recent just see how striking the differences are so i'm going to be doing this with 10 bands so there's 20 songs there's more songs than normal um i could have just gone on and on and on with other bands to add to this but it would have been just insane so uh this is already going to be on the longer side but uh i don't think you guys will mind So here we go. We're going to Florida out of the USA with Morbid Angel. Been going since 83. Uh, They're going on tour. Might be on tour right now, actually. I think it just started. But um, my son really wanted to go to that one so he could see Scotty Fuller drumming in person. But uh, I kind of learned my lesson with uh, the last show I took my son to is that, you know, if there's a band he really wants to see, I kind of need to make sure that they're not the headliner because he really runs out of steam. He's still little, so by the time it hits, you know, 11 o'clock, he's just, like, ready to go home, so uh, we didn't get to see much of Sepultura when we were there, because four or five songs in, he was just like, can we just go? So I wasn't about to uh, spend $30 on a ticket for me and $30 on a ticket for him to go to Morbid Angel just so he can want to go home two songs into their set. So maybe next time. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to play something here off of Altars of Madness, the debut, came out in 89 through Earache Records, and um, still considered to be just among the very best uh, death metal albums of all time, and, and rightfully so. Um, so yeah, this one, one of their more famous tunes that they still play live all the time, 
and um, just a good representation of that uh, that early sound. So they recorded it earlier than 89 for their Abominations of Desolation. I thought about playing that version of it, but it's just not as good of a version, so I'm playing the Altars of Madness version. So here we go, off of 1989's Altars of Madness. This is Morbid Angel with Chapel of Ghouls.
Alright, there we go. That was Chapel of Ghouls off of Altars of Madness. Um, and now we're going to jump to their most recent record, which is called Kingdoms Disdained, which came out in 2017 through Silver Lining Music. Uh, their 10th album, because they've had some pretty good uh, chunks of time between some of these albums. But this one was supposed to be the return to form, you know, because the, the previous album was uh, really shitty and did not really sound like Morbid Angel. The only songs that did sound like real Morbid Angel were not written by Trey. <laughs> they were written by... Uh, the other guitar player who was there at the time. But, um, yeah, this album, Kingdoms Disdained, was supposed to be kind of the return to form. They recorded it uh, with Eric Rutan as the producer and engineer, so it's just kind of cool to have him in the mix again. But I really don't like the mix. It's too in-your-face. The drums are so loud. Um, Scotty Fuller did a, a masterful job. Like, it's big shoes to fill, uh, replacing, you know, Pete Sandoval. I kind of ignore Tim Young just because I don't like Tim Young. But um, but yeah, he does a fantastic job on this entire album. This marked the return of Steve Tucker on bass and vocals. Uh, I've always been a fan of that era of Morbid Angels, so I thought that was a, um, a good thing that he came back into it. But from what I've always heard, Trey is just kind of not super interested in writing much anymore. Like it's just kind of, it's become more of a chore for him than a natural thing. So on this album, I'd say some of the weaker songs are some of the ones that Trey wrote. Uh, he did write some really good ones on this, but there's maybe four songs, I'd say, that I'm like, eh, they just should have left those off and replaced them with a couple of better ones. But um, some of the strongest tunes on this album were written by Steve Tucker. So this is one of them. Uh, very intense song, great drumming, great vocals. Uh, yeah, I kind of wish the, um, the guitars had a little more... Um, clarity to them I guess like they're so low that uh, it's just kind of hard to tell what exact notes are being played you know what I mean um, but yeah I feel like it could use a remix but overall it's it's not bad and th this album didn't get much praise honestly I don't know why um, it's you know very far from being a bad album but um, I want them to take another crack at it <laughs> and and do another one and it's been almost six years now since this one came out already and they haven't done anything so who knows if that'll ever happen but anyways uh, I did talk a lot just now but I'm gonna try moving forward to keep my chatter to a minimum both for the purpose of preserving my voice and for just not letting this album get an album this episode get just way out of hand with the uh, the runtime so here we go off of kingdoms disdained this is morbid angel with the righteous voice
right, there we go. That was Morbid Angel with The Righteous Voice. Um, yeah, I think Scotty Fuller does a great job of kind of mimicking some little stylistic things that Pete Sandoval would do, like some of his choices uh, drum-wise. It's clear that he's kind of done his homework of what makes a good uh, drum performance for Morbid Angel. Um, all right, we're jumping to Norway here. Been going since 87. It's Dark Throne. Um, so the funny part about this is that, you know, doing the then and now, like the, the format I'm doing here, skips over all of their black metal, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So I'm Soul Side Journey, the, you know, the debut, that's, you know, straight up death metal. And then the most recent one is always this kind of retro metal, you know, it's kind of toes the line between black metal and just like you know new wave of british heavy metal or something like that so i skip over all of their real necro black metal stuff which is kind of funny but um yeah the debut album definitely fit right in with kind of their swedish uh, counterparts and uh, that's partly why they ended up shifting away from that style as they didn't want to kind of be a part of that uh what was at the time kind of uh up and coming kind of trendy death metal scene uh, so they ended up moving away from this style, but they did this style really well. A lot of people say Soulside Journey is, is their favorite Dark Throne album. I wouldn't go that far, but there is some great tunes on here. Uh, but it came out in January of 91 through Peaceville, and then of course they left Peaceville for a bit, and then they returned back to Peaceville. But, um, yeah, what what is there, what else is there to say? It's a classic record, and uh, some really good death metal that you just didn't really hear much of out of Norway. It was always kind of associated with Sweden at the time, but damn good records. So here we go off of Soul Side Journey. This is Dark Throne with The Watchtower.
There we go. That was Dark Throne with The Watchtower off of Soul Side Journey. Now we're skipping ahead. They've released so many albums, it's crazy to say. They've got 20 albums now. Uh, so I'm going to play something off of the newest one called Astral Fortress that came out in October of last year through Peaceville. Album number 20. Pretty crazy. Uh, this one, pretty funny album cover because it's just it's very clear that they just don't give a shit about what anyone thinks at all. And because uh, the album cover is just a back view of Fenris uh, ice skating. <laughs> so it's just very bizarre. But um, their last album, Eternal Hails, didn't really do much for me. I really liked Old Star a lot. Uh, but Eternal Hails just kind of bored me. And this one kind of bores me as well. But I will say that it's a grower. Uh, it, it really bored me a lot the first listen or two. And then I kind of gave it a few more tries. And uh, there's much more there to appreciate than, you know, upon those first few listens. Uh, still far from being great, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not uh, not spectacular here. But um, really liked some of those ones after, uh, God, what was it? What the hell was it called? The Underground Resistance or something like that? That one I didn't like as much because it had a lot of soaring Fenris vocals. But uh, the ones since... Um, I've really enjoyed, but uh, this one, you know, it took a little time. But uh, this tune, there's a song on the debut called Eon, and uh, they actually, all these years later on album number 20, they made a song called Eon Part 2. So that's actually the one I'm gonna, I'm gonna play now. I figured it was a nice uh, way to bring it full circle. So here we go, off of Astral Fortress, this is Dark Throne with Eon Part 2.
Alright, there we go. That is Dark Throne with Eon Part 2 off of Astral Fortress. Uh, now we're jumping to California here. Band that's been going since 79, one of the originators of thrash metal. That is Exodus. And it's a shame that so many people only know Exodus as, uh, you know, Kirk Hammett's band before he joined Metallica because there's so much more than that. Um, like I said, they're one of the originals and um, they were around in that scene with all the big names. They were playing shows with Megadeth and Metallica and Slayer and all those guys. And for whatever reason, you know, all these other bands released an album in 82, 83, 84... And Exodus, it took them all the way until 85 to get their debut released. And from what I gathered, it was kind of label issues. Um, this album was recorded in 84, and it just took forever to finally get released. And by the time it did, people had already kind of moved on. You know, some of these other bands in that scene were already on their second album by then. And people had been hearing these songs from Exodus for years, like those who had seen them live have been hearing these songs since like 82, basically. And so yeah, it's a shame that they kind of missed the boat. This album should have been much bigger than it was. Um, but ever since Thrash kind of came back into fashion in the mid-2000s you know, there, 2004, 2005, kind of came around to being popular again and had some nice young Thrash bands popping up again, uh, this album's definitely gotten more attention and gotten more of the respect that it deserves. Because uh, all these songs are so memorable. They all stand alone, uh, sound very different from one another, and there's just no weak track on the entire record it's it's thrash perfection um and just excellent you know savage vocals from paul bailoff and some really brutal lyrics as well he was always just way over the top with it um but yeah i'm gonna go ahead and play the song that is their namesake i think it's got some really really brutal lyrics and just kind of encapsulates exodus uh in general so here we go off of 1985's bonded by blood this is exodus with exodus <laughs> Thank you. 
there we go that was exodus with exodus such a good album um all right we're moving on to their most recent one here it's called persona non grata and that came out in november of 2021 through nuclear blasts it's their 11th record overall uh this one they recorded i believe they recorded it at tom hunting's house and he had already done his drum parts uh, for the album before he found out that he had stomach cancer and uh, so while the rest of the album was kind of being worked on, he was, you know, thankfully already done with his parts and everything, and he could focus on um, tending to that. And he ended up getting a surgery, I think, where they, I forget what they call it, a total gastrectomy, something like that, where they remove the entire stomach, basically. So everything he eats just kind of bypasses a stomach and just goes straight to the small intestine. So I think that alters kind of what you're able to eat and how much you're able to eat and stuff like that but ultimately you're able to live a normal life you know so he is cancer free which is pretty awesome but uh, yeah this that's kind of the the narrative surrounding this this record is it just took forever to get done uh, because they were kind of focusing on uh, more important things really so um, that being said it's kind of a disappointment <laughs> I'm not gonna lie because uh, blood in blood out came out in 2014 and um, and that was the big return of Steve Souza on vocals and that was a great record um, really really strong record this one's not bad it's just not as exciting uh, it took seven years for this to come out and there's a few you know real ragers on here but uh, for the most part it, they kind of do this kind of groovy mid-tempo kind of chunky stuff going on which is fine they always pepper in one or two of those type songs on their albums but this has just more of it than I wanted I guess but um, this one I think was the first single they released off of this album and uh, it's not bad again not my favorite album of theirs but uh, it's just good that they're still around and still putting out some some pretty intense thrash uh, you know at their age and everything so here we go off of persona non grata this is the beatings will continue until morale improves
There we go. That was Exodus with the beatings will continue until morale improves. Um, yeah, like I said, that album kind of focuses more on kind of a mid-tempo, chunky type sound. and um, Certainly not bad, but not quite as good as the album that came out prior to it. Plus, Steve Souza's voice is always a bit of an acquired taste, but I guess Paul Bailoff's was too, really. All right, we're going to Sweden here, band that's been going since 1990. That is Marduk, and their debut, Dark Endless, came out in December of '92 through No Fashion Records, and that one kind of has more of a—you could definitely, you know, feel the seeds there of black metal, but um, they definitely kind of had more of a death metal sound on that debut but it's definitely unique it did not sound like you know some of their Swedish uh, contemporaries at the time you know you're entombed and dismember and such it had a very different sound from that um, but it's great it took me a long time to really appreciate the debut um, not because it's just a hard album to get into or something I just never really gave it multiple thorough listens you know what I mean like I was kind of more into the the straight-up, you know, black metal sound that Marduk had later in their career. Uh, so it took me a while to really just kind of truly appreciate the debut. But it's a great record. Um, the vocalist on this album, this was the only album on which uh, he sang, you know, for Marduk. But uh, he does a great job, and I just like the production of it as well. Uh, so here we go, from 1992's Dark Endless, this is Marduk with Still Fucking Dead.
There we go. That is Marduk with Still Fucking Dead. Here's No Peace. Um, yeah, I love that song. And they still bust that one out live every once in a while. Uh, Alright, now we're jumping to their most recent, which is their 14th album called Victoria. It came out in June of 2018 through Century Media. And from what I understand, I mean, they're working on a new one, but uh, every time I think that they're kind of buckling down and spending some good time in the studio, then they're like back out on tour. So I'm like, well, just finish the damn album already. So no idea when that's happening, but uh, it's hard to believe it's already been five years, almost five years since Victoria came out. Um, this one, of course, has uh, Mortus on vocals, and he's been with the band now since 04, and uh, it's hard to believe it's been that long, 19 years he's been that vo vocalist for them. And he's one of the best black metal vocalists of all time, in my opinion. His voice sounds a little different these days. It sounds a little more ordinary. I don't know if... I don't mean it sounds so negative, but I mean he sounded like otherworldly um, on some of these older albums and Funeral Mist albums and stuff. And now I don't know if he's using like less effects on his voice or something like that. So we're just hearing kind of a more stripped down and pure version of his vocals. But um, it's it's just sounds a little different than it used to, but that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, this album in general sounds a bit different because they only use uh, two guitar tracks, like one on the left, one on the right, and that's it. Uh, normally they you know would use multiple layers to kind of build kind of a wall of sound, a wall of guitars um, in the mix, and uh, they they just didn't feel like it was necessary, so they stripped it down for this one. So some people complained that it sounds a little thinner. Uh, than some older albums, but um, I mean, I it took a few listens for me to really get into this album, but it's a good record. Um, I'm still really looking forward to a new one, though, but uh, this is a, a solid album here, so I'm going to play the title track. So here we go, off of 2018's Victoria. This is Marduk with Victoria. Where we are, I'm sorry, 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 I'm s
All right, that was Marduk with Victoria. Um, okay, let's go to back to the USA here, out of California. It originally existed from 87 to 95, and then they uh, kind of regrouped in 2009, and they're still going now. That is Autopsy. And, man, have they influenced uh, a ton of bands, um, you know, both death metal and black metal bands over the years. And um, when they released their debut, there really wasn't a whole lot out at that time. Like in Florida, you kind of had Atheists, uh, you know, releasing Peace of Time and then Morbid Angel releasing uh, uh, Altars of Madness. But there wasn't a whole lot out. You know, Death had had a couple releases under their belt at that point. And um, there wasn't much you know, making waves at least at the time uh, out of California yet. Uh, so yeah, this debut, when it came out, it came out in April of 89 called Severed Survival, and that came out through Peaceville. But um, yeah, this album and the one that followed it were both, you know, very, very influential for a lot of bands. Uh, so my voice is already kind of starting to <laughs> to give a little bit, and I'm only like halfway through the episode, so I'm going to try to to shut up a little bit and just play the music. So... Um, this is one of the stronger tunes off of this debut, in my opinion, and uh, it always sounds cool when they play it live as well. So here we go, off of the debut, Severed Survival. This is Autopsy with Service for a Vacant Coffin.
right, there we go. That was service for a vacant coffin. If I remember right, Steve DiGiorgio did a session bass for them on that album, which, I mean, who has he not done session bass for at this point? Um, but, all right, we're going to jump to the newest one, which just came out in September of last year through Peaceville. Their ninth album overall. It's called Morbidity Triumphant. has an awesome album cover. Um, this is their first one with their new bass player, whose name escapes me. But um, it's really good. Really good. I can't remember when the last full length came out before this one, but it's been a little while. Like They released uh, an EP, I believe, kind of in between. But um, yeah, I was, I was definitely looking forward to this new one. And it does not disappoint. Their sound has not really evolved at all over their career. They just kind of stick to the same nasty death metal that they've always done. So this uh, really doesn't show too much of a real stretch from the debut, but um, hey, that's why we're doing the episode. You can listen for yourself and see if you uh, notice any kind of a change or a maturation in sound out of them. So here we go, off of Morbidity Triumphant, this is Autopsy with Flesh Strewn Temple.
There we go. That is Autopsy uh, with Flesh Strewn Temple off of Morbidity Triumphant. Um, Alright, we're going to Florida once again. This band formed in 84, technically, uh, but they existed prior to that as uh, Mantis. It is Death, and the reason I put Death right after Autopsy is, beca is because uh, on the debut album from Death, Scream Bloody Gore, it featured Chris Reifert from Autopsy on drums. So, um, just kind of a little tie-in there. So yeah, debut album Scream Bloody Gore came out in May of 87 through Combat Records, and some people, you know, would kind of call this uh, one of the first, you know, real full death metal albums to be released. Of course, Morbid Angel had uh, had recorded Abominations of Desolation, um, but it was kind of debatable if you can if you can call that a, a full blown like death metal album. It still kind of had some thrashy vocals and stuff, uh, but honestly, Scream Bloody Gore still kind of resembles a thrash album just with some you know more aggressive vocals I would say but um, much like you know the Exodus bonded by <laughs> bonded by blood album that I was talking about earlier this one really is the same way it doesn't have a weak track on there they all kind of have their own identity um, and it's just excellent it doesn't run on for too long or anything like that it's perfect length and um, a lot of people this is still their favorite death metal album ever um, I'm going to play my personal favorite off of it just because I've always loved the way it starts like the, the very beginning of the song immediately draws you in so here we go off of 1987's Scream Bloody Gore this is Death with Evil Dead <laughs>
we go. That was Evil Dead off of Scream Bloody Gore. And then uh, now we're going to jump ahead 11 years later to August of 1998 with what would be uh, Death's final album, Sound of Perseverance. Came out through Nuclear Blast. That was album number seven. And this one really was never intended to uh, to happen. So after Symbolic, uh, Chuck had basically decided he had taken death far enough and was focused uh, completely on starting a new project, uh, which would eventually become uh, Control Denied. But basically the label said, give us one more. Give us one more and then you can do your, you know, your other album. So some of the songs on here, I think three or four of them, um, were written for Control Denied, but ended up being used for this Death album uh, instead. So uh, I can't remember if this one is one of them that was intended for Control Denied. I don't think it was, but I could be wrong. But uh, the album as a whole just shows uh, some real growth and progression. And um, this song in particular is longer, but um, there's just a lot going on, you know, in terms of styles of music and things in here. There's some kind of proggy you know bass lines and things going on um of course the guitar work is just next level but um but yeah this is uh, a strong album but it's just kind of weird circumstances that it was never really intended to be a death album uh at all so here we go off of 1998's sound of perseverance this is death with flesh and the power it holds <laughs>
There we go. That was Death with Flesh and the Power It Holds off of Sound of Perseverance. I definitely wore that album out um, whenever I first got it. I remember it was expensive because the CD store I would go to, you know, I would try to stick to CDs that were either $15.99, $13.99. Just, you know, you'd find the occasional used one for $7.99. But some of the, like, newer ones or if they were special editions or whatever, they were always uh, $17.99 or higher. And I think this one was $18.99, and I was just like, ugh, geez, I really didn't want to have to spend that much, so I, I can't remember what I traded in, but I remember uh, coming back with a couple of CDs that I didn't really listen to much anymore and traded them in towards this, so I didn't have to spend as much. Um, all right, moving on to Sweden. band existed from 83 to 2004 and influenced so many bands that followed. It is Bathory. And I've played them, you know, countless times on the podcast. I just kind of pepper it in every ten episodes or so. I just am jonesing for it, so I throw it in there. Um, but yeah, their sound changed, you know, wildly from... Uh, it seemed to go in kind of spurts of like two or three albums at a time, and then the sound would change to something else. So the first uh, three records, I'd say, were really raw and um, the songwriting improved with each album and then of course after that was kind of the Viking era uh, that existed for two and you know eh, three albums I'd say three and a half you know part of Bloodfire Death and then of course Hammerheart and uh, Twilight of the Gods and then um, <coughs> excuse me Blood on Ice um, kind of fell into that Viking era as well and then they tried to go thrashy again for a couple of albums in the 90s, and it just wasn't that great. I think 2001, they did Destroyer of Worlds, and that wasn't very good. But thankfully, Bathory returned back to uh, kind of their Viking-era sound for the final two albums. So this one, the contrast should be pretty severe, I would say, from uh, first album to last album. Uh, the first album was self-titled, and it came out in October of 84 through Black Mark Productions. And it's super raw. Um, you know, a lot of people still credit Venom as being kind of the first black metal band because they coined the phrase. But um, I would say that bands like, you know, Hellhammer and Bathory were kind of um, more important in crafting the actual sound and aesthetics of what would become black metal. So, yeah, this first album, very raw, very uh, intense. So here we go, off of the, uh, the debut from 84, this is Bathory with Sacrifice.
There we go. That was Sacrifice off of the debut album. Uh, and then we're going to jump to what ended up being the last album from old Quarthon. It was Nordland Part 2. Um, really enjoyed both of the Nordland albums. It was a real return to form, return to that Viking style. Um, they don't get as high of praise as the albums like Hammerheart and Twilight of the Gods, but I really think there's some material on these albums that are right up there quality-wise with those albums. Um, there's a few, you know, forgettable tunes on these Nordland albums. I feel like if you stripped the weakest ones off of Nordland 1 and Nordland 2 and then just took the best songs and put them together and released it as one album, that would be like cream of the crop, you know, one of the best things in their entire discography. Um, but yeah, there's some excellent songs on both of these albums, but Nordland 2 came out uh, in March of 2003 through Blackmark Productions, and that was album number 12. I'm not including all those, you know, uh, compilations and stuff that they released, but um, this one I always really liked, just the pace of it. I think the chorus is excellent, and there's a certain little lead guitar part that kind of repeats at different points that just kind of gets stuck in my head. But, um, but yeah, I mean, these albums are great. I think they deserve more praise than they get. But you'll hear how wildly different it sounds from the debut. So here we go off of 2003's Nordland 2. This is Bathory with The Land.
Alright, there we go. That is Bathory with The Land off of Nordland 2. And um, that's such a good song. And honestly, this is an unpopular uh, opinion. But you cannot listen to that and tell me that Bathory was not influenced by old Manowar albums when it came to their Viking era back in the day, the late 80s, early 90s, and then when they returned to it here in the early 2000s, I mean, you can hear that influence in there. People don't like to admit it since Manowar is kind of a joke, you know, in the eyes of many, but uh, I hear that influence big time there. Um... Alright, we're going to Bergen, Norway here. This band's been going since 91, and that is Immortal. And their debut album, called Diabolical Full Moon Mysticism, came out in July of 92 through Osmos Productions. And that first album really has a heavy Bathory influence, um, which is, you know, coincidentally why I put them right after Bathory on this episode. But I think it's in part due to the drummer. Their drummer, Armageddon, uh, was a friend of theirs and really wasn't didn't consider himself to be a metal drummer uh, he's more of a rock drummer and didn't seem too you know attached to the idea of staying in a black metal band but he did the drums on the debut and then left and the drums as a result are much more stripped down and simple and uh, not nearly as like fast and intense as you hear on albums that followed but I think it actually works to the album's benefit because these songs kind of have such a big you know epic vibe to it that uh, having those more straightforward drums um, kind of helps it I think but uh, this album is really cool it doesn't sound like any other album in their discography really very raw uh, they use acoustic guitars really well at times like in the background of certain riffs and stuff like that his vocals he was still kind of finding his voice you know so they sound very very different from uh, later albums but um, it's a cool record it's one that you know I I kind of worked backwards with Immortal when I first got into them. Um, you know, I first heard them with right when Sons of Northern Darkness came out. So that was, what, 2002? And uh, fell in love with that album really quickly and then just worked backwards from there. Um, so yeah, here we go. Without further ado, off of the debut, Diabolical Full Moon Mysticism. This is Immortal with Blacker Than Darkness.
Alright, there we go. That was Immortal with Blacker Than Darkness. I didn't want to, you know, get you with one of the ones that they've uh, played live, you know, many times over the years. Or we've all seen the goofy Call of the Winter Moon music video. And uh, they play Unholy Forces of Evil a lot. And I've played other songs off of this album in older episodes. So I decided to go with a, a deeper cut there with Blacker Than Darkness. Um, Alright, we're jumping up to the most recent album. Uh, which was called Northern Chaos Gods, and that came out in July of 2018 through Nuclear Blast. It's their ninth album overall, and uh, this was the first one without Abbott on vocals. Uh, Demonos, who was the guitar player for the whole early part of the band, all the way up until 97, 98, around there, um, he had always remained in the band, but just doing lyrics. So he couldn't, you know, he was... I guess he had some sort of um, persistent, you know, tendonitis type issue to where he claimed he couldn't play guitar anymore, which, I don't know, I feel like uh, tendonitis is just kind of inflammatory. I feel like he could have done something to alleviate that enough to be able to play guitar again, but for whatever reason, he just kind of stayed out of the band, uh, apart from just doing lyrics for years and years. But after they essentially kicked Abbott out, uh, he took over the vocal spot and uh, he does all the guitars on this album so uh, I guess he's able to play enough to uh, to record at least but um, but now the drummer Horg who's been there since 96 uh, has been basically forced out as well so now it's just Demonaz and they've got a new album coming out this year with just some him and just some other random dudes and it's kind of getting a bit ridiculous now but uh, we'll see what this new album brings but this album was great. Um, I think it's a real strong record, and a lot of people didn't know what to expect, but I think his voice actually sounds good. Uh, and this song I'm about to play, it's the title track, but it definitely has the kind of chaotic energy of stuff that they put out in like the mid to late 90s, so real throwback for some of the diehard fans here. But, um, but yeah, here we go off of 2018's Northern Chaos Gods. This is Immortal with Northern Chaos Gods. Yeah. 
There we go. That is Immortal with Northern Chaos Gods. Um, the rest of the album kind of goes all over the place in terms of tempo and stuff like that. There's some real mid-tempo, like, epic stuff, and there's some slower tempo stuff, and then some other, you know, fast stuff like we just heard there. Um, yeah, anxious to see what this new album brings. They don't really have a set release date yet. It just said sometime in 2023. And uh, it's not just the band saying that. The label released the album cover and title and track listing and all that stuff, but they just don't have a set date yet, I guess. Um, okay, we're going to Poland here. This band's been going since 91. Started off, uh, you know, very firmly planted in uh, some black metal roots and has since, um, you know, become more of a death metal band with some real kind of gothy overtones as far as uh, big choirs and things in some of these songs. Uh, that band is Behemoth, and uh, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't think their black metal stuff was really particularly good. It wasn't bad, but it's the type of black metal that was just real raw, and whenever I'm done listening to it, I don't really remember any of what I just listened to, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not bad if you're in the mood for it, you just put it on, some you know some nice raw black metal, but uh, it just wasn't their strong suit, that style. Um... I, I'm a bigger fan of kind of their middle period, you know, Pandemonic Incantations, um, I mean, Satanica, albums like that, great albums, and um, and then they kind of lost me after a while, I'd say after like 2004 or so, um, it, the albums just weren't quite as good, but anyways, uh, I'm going to do something a bit controversial here, I guess, because um, I guess this is technically not their debut full-length album, but I think there's enough material on this, like, EP to consider it, you know, their debut, like, release. Um, it's called And the Forest Dream Eternally, and it was recorded in July of 94. So it was recorded before anything else that they released, but it was released in, like, August of 95. Um, so it's kind of controversial, I guess, if you'd consider this to be their debut or not, but I don't think anybody cares that much if I'm breaking my own rules here for the criteria of the episode. But, um, yeah, they still play, you know, the occasional tune from uh, from these early releases, you know, in their live set. They usually just do maybe one or two. But, um, yeah, I took the liberty of cutting off some of the intro here because we're looking at, like, 20 seconds of just, like, birds chirping and nature sounds, so I decided to kind of shave some of that off for you guys. So here we go, off of their uh, debut release, EP, whatever, and the forest dream eternally, this is Behemoth with Transylvanian Forest.
All right. That was Transylvanian Forest by Behemoth off of their And the Forest Dream Eternally EP from 94, although it was released in 95. So now let's jump to the most recent album, their 12th album called Opus Contra Naturum. And that came out in September of last year through Nuclear Blast. And like I said, they hadn't really been doing it for me for the last few albums, honestly. And um, apart from the occasional song here and there, but just as an album, they just feel lazy. The riffing is super lazy, very simplistic, and they just kind of disguise it with all these bells and whistles of big sound samples and choirs and stuff and uh you know really impressive drumming and stuff but uh when you look at the actual like substance of what the guitars and bass and stuff are doing they're not doing much of anything <laughs> you know really like songs you could have written in a day type thing as far as the structures go but um they just kind of dress it up in such a way that it's appealing to people i guess but um but yeah, this new one of theirs was confusing because they would release one single and I'm like, all right, that's not bad. And then they release another single and I'm like, okay, that sucks. And then the next single sucks again. And then the final single they release, I'm like, okay, that's an actual good song. So it's all over the place for me. So I checked out this new album and it's kind of 40-60. 40% good, 60% not my, not my bag. But uh, this song I've actually played on an earlier episode of the podcast, and I'm just going to play it again because it's still my favorite one on the album, and it's one of their better songs they've done in a while for me. Uh, so here we go, off of the most recent album, Opus Contra Naturum. This is Behemoth with The Deathless Sun. I am nothing. I'm 
All right, there we go. That is Behemoth with the Deathless Sun. Uh, so definitely more, you know, in the death metal vein, but kind of in that more epic and kind of gothic vibe. You can hear a pretty good um, change in style, I would say. So that brings us to our last pair of songs here. I'm not going to do my formal spiel just yet. I'm just going to announce this first one. So it's out of the UK, a band that's been going since 91. That's Cradle of Filth. Of course, I've played them several times. But they definitely came from death metal roots. Uh, their early demos are just full-on death metal. And from what I recall, they did a full-length called Geisha. And they recorded it. And I don't know if it was like a financial type thing where they didn't have the money to pay the studio for to get the you know mix final mix from them or something like that and uh so the studio just got rid of the recordings <laughs> so they never were able to release it so they had to kind of start from scratch and then they ended up releasing their debut uh, principles of evil made flesh came out in 94 through cacophonous records and uh so yeah people are always just like well whatever happened to geisha is there any way we can get those tracks to be remixed and released finally released and it's like no there there are no tracks to be found so they were all deleted i guess but um but maybe it's for the better because by the time this album was recorded and released the lineup had changed and i feel like the personnel that they had brought in uh, makes it even better and uh definitely a far cry from those death metal demos still very much, you know, there's death metal in this album, for sure. Um, they hadn't fully embraced, you know, the black metal ways, and uh, some would argue that they never really did, honestly. But, um, but yeah, they, they got so over-the-top and gothic and symphonic and stuff that some would argue that they, they've never been black metal. But that's a whole other conversation. But this album, really cool. I've always liked the production and it's just a very ferocious album and it still kind of has that death metal touch to it. So this is uh, probably one of the more well-known ones here off of the album. So off of the debut, Principles of Evil Made Flesh, this is Cradle of Filth with The Forest Whispers My Name.
All right, there we go. That was Cradle of Filth with The Forest Whispers My Name. So now I have reached the last song here of the episode, so I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this theme, something a little different. Hopefully it didn't wear you down too much. I know it was a long episode. But, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody for listening, of course. Thanks for your patience with my delays here. Um, and, yeah, if you want to tell somebody where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com uh, or on the free Podbean app. And, of course, the entire um, catalog of episodes is on Spotify as well, so you can find the podcast and follow it there. Uh, any sort of, uh, you know, emails you want to send me, some critiques, some requests, some anything, anything you want to tell me, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of uh, news or updates or poll questions for you guys, you know, the listeners, anything I want to get out to you, uh, it's going to be posted there. So please find and like the page. And I've already got all my bands and songs picked out and ready to go for episode 139. So that one should be uh, on time here in two weeks, barring some sort of vocal situation like I had this time. But uh, my voice is barely hanging on to... Um, it might not sound like it, but it's it's tight. The, the throat is tight. Um, Alright, let's finish this out here. I actually had a different song picked for this, but then Cradle of Filth went ahead and released a single kind of out of nowhere very recently. Uh, it turns out they're releasing like a double album, like a live album, but they're including two new singles, like studio singles, um, that they weren't recorded during the last album session. Like this is a full-blown like new, new session, new song altogether. It's not just an extra from the last album, um, but it's awesome. <laughs> and I the last album disappointed me a little bit. I've talked about this before. I feel like Hammer of the Witches was such a good return to form, and then uh, Cryptoriana was good, but not quite as good as Hammer of the Witches. And then the newest <coughs> newest one, Existence is Futile, um, to me is is the weakest one. You know, with this new guitar duo, and of course since then Richard Shaw has left the band. <coughs> I'm dying. All right. But yes, uh, so I have no idea who actually played on this track. It might just have one, you know, guitar player. What's his name? Ashok uh, doing all the guitars here. But the song itself is excellent. So I decided to scrap my initial idea of what song to play. And I said, I'm going to play this new single because it's awesome. So, yeah, I don't even remember what the name of the live album is. But, yeah, just Google this. <laughs> Google this song. Look it up on YouTube. Look it up on Spotify. Uh, it's a great song. So... Here we go, finishing strong. See you guys in a couple weeks with the next episode. So here we go. This is Cradle of Filth with She Is a Fire. Cheers.
sweet stuff. Crack, good, no, fuck.